It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome into the Front Stretch Race fans. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue in Council Bluffs. Once again, get over to Joe's today. And the great thing, you know, we always talk about how Joe's Karting is indoors so it kind of mitigates some of those really cold nights and really hot days but one thing that has just been irritating the living bejesus out of me lately is this goddamn wind i don't know if it's anybody else i am so sick and tired of this wind and when you go inside at joe's carting you don't have to deal with the wind you do have to deal with it from the speed of the carts well yeah there's that i guess you're right you won't have to deal with outside wind just wind of speed there you go it's like being in a wind tunnel if you go fast enough i don't know what that's like the carts aren't quite that fast <laughs> during the four portions of today's show to uh, turn number one we're going to talk about the race at kansas speedway and uh do you want to talk about the next gen car in turn one or should we save that for four uh we can talk about that in one okay because there's not a lot of news so that's basically going to take up our entire news segment well we got News, obviously, with the throwback race at Darlington, and I want to yeah. touch on the Ted Carlson Memorial Race. Okay, It's probably not going to happen. It's like a 60% chance of rain starting at 1 o'clock in Sioux City on Saturday. Of course. And the high is like 56. So, but uh, If it yeah. does happen, it'll be a rough race to be at. But fair weather I mean, fans, it's... just stay home and cry that you don't get to watch it streamed on the internet. And uh, it's hardcore an race fans, hour. get out. Get out to the racetrack. That's an SLMR race, so. Yeah, that'll be a good race. All right, so we'll talk about the next-gen car, the unveil in turn number one. Like I mentioned, we'll also talk about the results and our thoughts about Kansas Speedway. Turn number two, we're going to sit down with Eric Cerny of the Midwest Classic Stock Car Association. Their season is about to kick off. Uh, I believe they're having a classic car show. And I say believe because I haven't re-listened to the interview. We talked to him back at the World of Wheels Car Show. And I think they were doing a car show in May and then their season kicked off in July. So their schedule is out on their Facebook page. I believe it's Midwest Classic Stock Car Association. But uh, yeah, we'll be talking with Eric about that. And then we're going to be talking with Hunter Weber, driver of the 99W Modified throughout the area. Hunter actually got his first career modified heat race win last Saturday night at Eagle Raceway. So uh, starting to get used to that 99W. We'll talk to Hunter again. We talked to him back at the World of Wheels Car Show. So some of that conversation may be a little bit dated. Just bear with us a little bit, but you'll be able to hear that. And then at turn number four, we'll get you set for the Goodyear 400 at Darlington Raceway. One uh, Obviously going to be a great race. Darlington puts on a great show. Them adding the throwback factor has drawn some some new interest to the to the fans and, and to to new TV viewers, but you know, for me, somebody who, who never got to actually watch or see the Alan Kowicki car out on the racetrack, I never got to see it live. I only saw it through, through uh, interviews and, you know, replays and so on. It'll be cool to see uh, an Alan Kowicki throwback or all the different throwbacks that are going on. I I don't think there is an actual Alan Kowicki one this year. Isn't that the one that Chase did last year? Yeah. They've been doing throwbacks now for several years, but they've got a a tribute car with Richard Petty to uh, John Andretti because he was he's got the last win in a petty car somebody's doing a bill elliott but i don't remember who it is right off the top of my head but doing basically his melling t-bird from the mid 80s i don't remember there's just so many of them just so many throwbacks that it's hard to keep track of them all 
Do you want to talk Kansas or next gen first? Which one? Well, first of all, I'd like to start with uh, a couple of racers that passed away here this past week. We lost a great one in uh, uh, Bobby Unser. Uh, he was older than I thought, 87. So obviously lived a good good age, but the Unser name is synonymous with Indy cars and the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. I mean, at one point, Bobby had probably about half the records for Pike Peak, but Indy 500 winner and whatnot, but uh, very big family name and a very great racer. Got into doing a little TV late in his career. And then on NASCAR's side, we lost Eric McClure. Yeah, that was a surprising one. I still haven't seen anything on on what caused that, but Eric passed away. His fiance tweeted Sunday morning and announced to the world that he had passed away unexpectedly and suddenly. And the big heartbreaking one, obviously, what I say, he was 42. 42 with seven kids. Yeah, leaves seven kids behind. So that, that's a yeah. heartbreaking one. So rest in peace, Bobby Unzer and Eric McClure. Did we lose anybody else? Uh, no, but I've been waiting for the third. I've always heard they come in threes. So always a trifecta. There is uh, Jack Ingram is in pretty bad shape where I believe it's pneumonia due to COVID. And he's got to be in his 80s, but uh, multi-time back then Grand National Champion, which turned into the Bush Series. But uh, I saw some stuff on Facebook on one of the NASCAR pages that he's very sick. So that's too bad. All right. Speedy discovery open for Jack. Let's get through Kansas real quick, our thoughts, and then we'll get to the next gen car and the news that came out on Wednesday about all of that. Kyle Busch ends up picking up the win after a dominating fashion from Kyle Larson, who finished Larson, I'm talking about, finished second in stage one. One stage two led 132 laps. Looked like he was going to just cruise on to that victory. Yeah, and uh, then he decided not to pit when everybody else started pitting for tires, and he got behind the tire cycle. And you know they went outside of the competition caution and the two stage cautions. They didn't have a caution until Hamlin hit the wall there with 30 some odd laps to go. Yeah, and then they had two more cautions before the race was over. And was one of those the tire? uh the tire nascar ended up throwing a caution because of the tire for no yeah i forgot about that one yeah that was in the second stage for uh uh tyler reddick's tire yeah got out into the grass but they were three quarters of the way through the green flag pit cycle so they just ran the cycle through and they've done that a million times that's nothing new you know anybody that's followed racing knows they always they don't want to give four or five teams to uh that type of a handicap well and know? wasn't there also they they ended up and again i i didn't see it i was listening on mrn so i didn't see the whole thing happen but wasn't it from tyler reddick's teammate oh the tire? Yeah. the tire the tire was a tire that came off of tyler reddick's car and it and would it have benefited the- tyler reddick's teammate oh yeah yeah one of the cars would have been yeah yeah one of the cars that would have got uh i'm trying to think who all was still on the track but uh I think it was the 47, wasn't it? Which isn't a Reddick teammate, but it is an alliance no, with Ricky, Ricky Stenhouse. Right. And it's, it, but again, it's not a Reddick, it's not a Richard Childress racing teammate, but it's an alliance. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. But yeah, he was leading, and but it would have benefited like eight cars. There would have been eight cars on the lead lap. Everybody would have been a lap down. Yeah. And of course, they all would have taken the wave around, you know, and been back on the lead lap but they'd have had tires with 10, 15, 20 laps on them when those eight cars would have had brand new ones. Right. So Kyle yeah, Busch ends up Kyle Busch ends up getting the win on his birthday. He it's not like he lucked into that win, had a 
won stage one, finished second in stage two, and then ended up winning the race, 59 points on the day, led four times for just 20 laps. Harvick ended up finishing second, Brad Kozlowski third, Matt DiBenedetto fourth, Chase Elliott fifth. Truex, who I took, finished sixth, Reddick seventh, Busher eighth, Byron ninth, and Austin Dillon tenth. Yeah, rough day for, uh, that's a heartbreaker for Kyle Larson because I think everybody in their post-race said we had nothing for that that uh, that five car. Yeah, well, you know, they decided not to pit and they kept about, I don't know, I think there was a top five or six cars stayed out on the track and didn't pit when everybody else went and got tires. And uh, then Harvick even pitted again. Yeah. I mean, um, well, didn't, the, he get a, didn't he get a uncontrolled tire penalty also? He got that with the, uh, at the pit stop on Hamlin's deal with the mid mid thirties, they restarted with like 28 laps to go or something yep. like that. And he was restarting 17th or 18th. And I just know because that's who I had picked for the day. And, uh, was Hamlin? No, I had picked Harvick. Oh, okay. So I, you know, was paying attention to what was going on and his tire that got away, just rolled about five foot away, but that was far enough for them to make the call. So they yeah. did Reddick's tire. They showed it. When the guy came wheeling around the front of the car and shoved it to the wall, the guy went to grab it and it hit the wall and just shot right through his hands. And he's laying there. He about went over the wall. He was trying to grab it, you know, stretch out and get it. Yeah. He had like, I think his knees were on top of the wall and his hands were on pit road. But uh, yeah, that was uh, a bad deal and uh, unfortunate deal. But because uh, uh, Reddick had a pretty dang good car too. Oh yeah, and the Reddick race was up there the most end. of the day. I mean, Harvick on the green-white checker, Harvick started eighth and finished second. Yeah. And if there had been two laps left with the tires he had and with what Bush had, he would have blown Bush out of the water. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He was definitely coming, just ran out of laps to get there. And what yeah. a great – I mean, like we've seen with Kansas for the last couple of races, I, I want to see a restart every 30 or 35 laps with how exciting they are. Oh, yeah. They they were five wide going through one and two. Yeah. Restart it. That was nuts. And that's what happened to Larson. He got into the back of Blaney, and Blaney got really sideways, yep. made a heck of a save, and Larson had to lift so he didn't hit him, and they just got blown out of the water. Yep. And, uh, I, I mean, you just, you, I, I wouldn't even say freight train because it's not like a Martinsville where you get out of the groove and you can't find a hole back in. There's five or six cars passing you every half a second, oh, every yeah. quarter second. I mean, it's, it's nuts how quick, quickly they blow by you at that racetrack when you get off. You know, you you lose your momentum and you get off the speed a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it happens in a hurry. Uh, Tyler Reddick did end up recovering, finishing seventh on the day. Good day for him. Uh, bad days for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We talked about he kind of hung it out there and tried to do that. Stay out and see if he could get lucky with a caution strategy. Ended up finishing 34th. Eric yeah, Amarola, that, 29th. That's not what cost Ricky Stenhouse. Ricky Stenhouse um, got caught up. Uh, Christopher Bell just lost it all by himself middle of three and four and Stenhouse tried to go was going to try and go below him and uh Bell came right down and Stenhouse drilled him in the door took the radiator and everything out and then it spun uh Bell up across the track and he hit Stenhouse's teammate Ryan Priest oh, in the yeah. door and popped him into the wall so got both the what is that JT yeah JTG Doherty I, I get that one confused all the time but yeah took out both their cars right in one quick swoop Ricky finished 34th, Ryan finished 32nd, and Christopher Bell, who caused the whole thing, finished 28th. Yeah, he was able to keep going, but uh, not competitively. He finished the race, though. 
Another struggle for Eric Amarola. We talked about it last year, how strong he was, how he had consistent top tens, consistent top fives, but a 29th place finish at Kansas Speedway. Well, you and I have talked that it doesn't seem that Stuart Haas is putting a whole lot of emphasis in this season with the new car coming out next year. Oh, no, I, I completely disagree with that. That there is any NASCAR team out there, regardless of what's coming in the future, that they aren't trying to win this season. There's way too many dollars on the line for a sponsor to find out that they just mailed it in for a season and wasted their sponsorship dollars. Well, I'm not saying they mailed it in for a season, but I just don't think they are putting the effort in that they could be because there's no excuse for that much of a, a decline in performance. I mean, we're uh, 11 races in and Harvick actually got a second. He finally sniffed a win. We're last year yeah. at this point, I think he had three wins already. Yeah, I, I think this is just the natural ebb and flow of NASCAR. We talked about, what was it last season or, the, or 2019 season that Chevy just, for the half season was just terrible. I mean, new car, new car. Well, yeah. And so for whatever reason it is, I mean, they, and, and we'd heard also that they were having a lot of communication issues. Like Chevy teams weren't communicating with each other with what they were finding bad or good in their cars. So there was no communication amongst the, the OEM to the OEMs to be able to process the information and, and disseminate it so that the Chevys could get faster. And they eventually got that fixed too. But I think the Stuart Haas racing thing is I, I just think that they're off their game and it, it takes a while to get back on your game in this sport. You, you can't, especially we're only 11 races into the season. And if they were trying something different with their cars, they had them set up for that for quite a while. And now they've got to go back to the drawing board and try something different. And it's just going to take time for them to get good again. Yeah. I look at it the other way, to be honest with you. I no, mean, that's fine. Like I, I said last week, it's you're right. So often it's, it's okay to be wrong once in a while. Do you remember when we interviewed uh, Allgaier and that was when they were just switching to this car and he ran one year in the car previously and he told us, I wish I didn't run cup last year. Yeah, because he learned a bunch of habits that he had to throw out the window. Right. You know, and that's basically where Chase Briscoe is this year. He's learning in the car. He's driving this year and that's it. And then he's going to have to start over. So for him, this is basically a throwaway season. No other way to put yeah, it. I absolutely agree. But we shouldn't see Kevin Harvick struggle this bad. No, that's because, what I'm saying. Because no. they should be putting everything they have into making sure that, who knows, with Stuart Haas Racing, with Kevin's age, this may be Kevin's last year. Next year may be Kevin's last year. You can't take a season off with somebody as talented, as experienced as him. We should see all of their force going into ensuring that he is in the championship for and has the best opportunity to win. Yeah, well. He'd have probably won that race the other day because he just started that last restart probably in third or fourth if he hadn't had that tire penalty. Yeah. You know, and I well, and who knows if he'd had that good of a car because he just had such better tires than Kyle Bush did. Yeah, but he would have had those better tires, but not have to pass four cars that he had to pass to get to where he ended up. You know, mm -hmm. he'd have been starting closer up. He he might have won that race in that green white checker. So Kyle Busch but, becomes the 10th different winner in 11 races. And he not only did the bow, but he also did the crybaby to all the fans. And Sarah Harrison, <laughs> they're watching the post-race interview. And she goes, boy, they really don't like him, do they? I said, no, she goes, yeah. what did he do? And I said, just Google, just watch some YouTube videos on Kyle Busch. You'll understand real quick. All right. So that was Kansas. Next up, we head to Darlington. That's again, that's Saturday night, this coming Saturday night. We'll get you more information on that coming up in turn number two.
The big news of the week is that NASCAR finally officially unveiled more information. Well, I guess I shouldn't say finally officially unveiled, but they did a big unveil for the next-gen car, displaying the three cars. They did it on Wednesday. I watched a little bit of it, but I kind of got a little bit bored and cross-eyed because it was too much dog and pony and not enough show. So I kind of shut it off after about halfway through and just decided to wait for Jayski to put out some cliff notes. But I did see some, hear some interesting things from it. Steve O'Donnell, who is, uh, I believe, the competition director for NASCAR. Uh, Correct. He, he's climbed that, the ladder. He was, he was a peon when I was doing it. He climbed the ladder, seemed like a smart dude. I've met him. And uh, some of his ideas in this car, I think, are great. And some of them, I think, suck. So it, it seems that they have listened to a couple of things. So the big thing that you can look when you look at these race cars is that they all look distinctly different. It's not the, the current gen car and previous gen cars for the last, what, two. Basically, the nose pieces emulated through stickering and some modifications their consumer counterpart. Well, uh, yeah, and and but technically, that's what it's supposed to be. They're supposed to be the consumer counterpart, right? And if you if you look at the cars on the street, if you look at the detail, they are so similar. The Camaro is a little different just because of the way it's got such a thin grill and stuff around the bow tie. That's a little bit different, but in these cars, they don't do anything with that area. It's a solid piece. There's no, mm-hmm. you know, all the air flows underneath. Yeah, the, the consumer vehicle air piece it, where the air comes into the car is not where the air comes in on these cars. On any of them. They're, yeah. they're all below the bumper and NASCAR controls that. So right. One of the ideas that they're unfolding with this next-gen car is that not only nose piece, but the car on back has similarities to their consumer counterparts so that they're easier to, to, they look more like the cars. So, you know, maybe the thought is the old adage, what wins on Sunday sells on Monday. A lot of consumers lost contact with that because you don't really know, other than it's saying the Toyota Camry won the race. You don't, you don't make that visual association because they look so different. And and they're trying to get back to that now with the next gen car. And I, I think they've made a good step in the right direction. You can't tell until they race it, because if it races like crap, then they screwed up again. If the races are good next year, hey, they hit on something, right. and I'll be mighty happy. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just talking about the look right now, and, and one of the aspects that Steve O'Donnell was talking about. He just said we wanted it to make more look, make the cars on the racetrack look more like the cars that are on the sales floor and out in the consumers that are, that are being driven by the consumers. So that was one aspect. The other aspect was less aero-dependent and put more racing back in the driver's hands. And one thing that before I shut it off, I did hear an exact quote from him was these cars will be tougher to drive in the corner. So that I think that's going to be that'll make some drivers happy for now until they don't like their car and and then they'll be really mad. (laughs) Yeah, that to me, that's going to favor guys like Kyle Larson with dirt backgrounds. Yeah, because it is it's going to drive more like a dirt car. It's going to help Christopher Bell. It's going to help Kyle Larson. And it's going to hurt guys like Bubba Wallace, even though Bubba has proven to be not a bad dirt driver. Maybe he'll be all right with this. Kyle Busch, Harvick, these guys don't have a lot of dirt time. And, uh, you know, they've been driving. And Kyle and and Kevin both do like loose race cars. Yeah, but but loose and non-aero dependent are two different things. Believe me, very different. So, again... Until they get a r- couple races under their belt, and I don't, the bad part is starting with Daytona, that ain't going to mean squat. Right. You get a Vegas in there, which they'll run early, 
Nobody knows what's going to happen with this. They're supposed to be shortening up California Speedway to basically make it a Bristol, but it's supposed to be early in the season. You know, uh, that race, you know, a half mile race isn't going to tell a whole, whole lot. The mile and a half tracks are what's going to show. Yeah, and, and, and two or three races on there, we won't we won't know what the car is. You and I have had many conversations about we would love to see many less mile and a half tracks on the circuit, and I was saddened that. NASCAR didn't take away as many mile and a half tracks as I was hoping for the 2021 race schedule. But now I'm kind of looking at it and saying, well, maybe they're going to give the next gen car a shot for two or three years, see if they can make some modifications to it. And if they still can't get it to work at the mile and a half tracks, basically can't make the mile and a half tracks track races be exciting and start selling tickets again, then maybe you'll start seeing them drop off the schedule. One of the other aspects that, they touched on is the composite body hoping that a couple of things when a driver gets a little bit loose in the corner and maybe taps the walls smacks the wall that these composite bodies will uh, stand up a little bit better than the typical body the current body would and also that it will reduce the amount of cut tires by simply just rubbing his racing because the the metal they currently use obviously so sharp that it easily cuts through on the tires and you see a lot of drivers that when they just rub a little bit, whether it, whatever caused the cut, if it was the curve, the angle on the fender or, uh, or whatever it was, the hope is that the composite body will, will reduce those so that drivers can lean on each other a little bit more. A lot of times what causes the cut down tires isn't actually cutting the tire. It's cutting the damn valve stem and breaking the valve stem off. You know, you hear about it all the time. But as far as these cars with the composite bodies hitting the wall, they've been running the composite bodies now. I, this is the second or third year in Xfinity, and they do last. They do take a beating on the wall. You know, that's a proven fact after a couple seasons. Uh, as far as the cut down tires, I've never bothered to, to pay a bunch of attention to that in the Xfinity series because you still get them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure NASCAR does. And and that was one thing that they they pointed out was the hope for this. And also, I believe the composite bodies are supposed to be easier to to work with and less manipulative. Again, what they're supposed to be and what actually happens will will probably be two totally different things. Well, I mean, uh, Ryan Newman got uh, uh, had to come back in because somebody pulled on the fender or something the other day in the Kansas race. They had to come back in, you know, illegal modification during a pit stop. Mm-hmm. They made them, you know, bring it in and they had to smack it or kick it or whatever they had to do, you know, basically a stop and go type penalty. Now you can't do this with these cars, but you can still take a heat gun and manipulate the hell out of it. But then it's not, it, then it shouldn't pass the laser. Right. So I don't think there'll be a whole lot of that. You know, let's just think about it this year. We haven't heard much about that laser station at all. Yeah. Not a lot of, well, there has been guys that have failed inspection multiple times. Who was it? Larson went to the back, right? For failing inspection multiple times. But they didn't say what he failed. Yeah, they re- typically don't. They they won't say what part. They don't usually announce what part of the car failed the OSS inspection, but that's typically where they're failing inspection is through that OSS system. You know, I, I just think the, the, the racers and the engineers and the crew chiefs are finally figuring out that they can't fool that system. So they're just not pressing their luck quite so much. Yeah, with the plastic cars, you, you don't hear much about that in Xfinity at all anymore. And you and I have seen those cars close up, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been hands-on with David Starr's car several times when he was Jimmy Means and, and Bobby Dotter. So I, I think that part's a plus. I really do. 
as much as I don't like change, I do like that plastic body coming in. Yeah. Um, but and I'm going to wait and see what the car does on the track. I know they've been testing it. And like Kurt Bush, Kurt Bush was the one that had one of the, I think he had the second to the last test. And he goes, oh, there's still a lot to do with this car. Yeah. You know, and NASCAR didn't say they did anything. So yeah, who knows? Well, but they kind of echoed Kurt's sentiment also. They said they, we still have a lot of work to do on the car, but we're happy with the progress. I believe well, was their and, exact quote. And Kurt's a guy that, again, doesn't have a dirt background. He's an asphalt racer, always has been. So this car just might not be a car he's going to like driving. We'll have to see what happens Daytona of 2022. It's when the next-gen car is scheduled to make its debut. All right, that's going to do it for us in turn number one. Just around the corner, Eric Cerny of the Midwest Classic Stock Car Association. And then in turn number three, Hunter Weber, driver of the 99W, will join us to talk about his 2020 season and his plans as they're unfolding for 20. 20- Excuse me, 2021. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the front stretch. Red Oak Fabrication in Red Oak, Iowa is changing the powder coating game. Drivers and teams have overpaid for good work for far too long. Get to Red Oak Fabrication and get quality powder coating at an affordable price. A brand new bare frame gets done for $450. Plus the turnaround time, days, not weeks. Get your free estimate today. Email Jordan F at RedOakFabrication.com. See what Red Oak Fabrication can do for you today on their Facebook page or at redoakfabrication.com. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you White Knuckle Racing by the River bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. 